talking about deep sea mining. Let me count the ways that I love deep sea mining compared to the alternative of mining on land. Deep sea mining, it does not produce toxic wastes. For mining on land, some mining on land requires adding mercury, which is really bad for you, or adding cyanide, which is extremely bad for you, or when you take the stuff out, copper, when you take it out on land, some of the copper ends up in the streams, and that's bad for you. But deep sea nodule mining, you pick up the nodules, you don't add any toxins, you don't release stuff from the nodules. So I love thee because no toxic waste, number one. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of The Sea Has Many Voices. And I am really pleased to have a return guest and dear friend, Jared Diamond, the Dr. Jared Diamond. And today I want to talk about metal. Metals, I think, are the last resource the earth has to offer for which we have no other alternatives. So today I want to talk about the polymetallic nodules because I, I think the cobalt crusts and the sulfides are a very destructive form of mining, kind of on par with what happens on land, and I'm not a, myself a supporter of that. There's nearly zero waste uh, if you collect these nodules. The biodiversity impacts are lower than they are on land. However, they're troublesome in other ways because it's in the deep sea. We have not yet had a chance to survey the area, but there is a biodiversity impact. But I'm still uneasy about it because I love the deep sea, Jared. I've spent my life down there, but we've hit a moment now in society and civilization where we have to make decisions. The industrialization that's going on right now on the planet is happening so fast that we don't have time to sit around for decades thinking about what the right path is. And I'm interested in your views about being bold, looking forward to solutions like deep sea mining and what, what your thoughts are on that. A way to express it, uh, Greg, would be in terms of a, a famous poem by the 19th century um, Victorian woman poet, Elizabeth Barrett Browning who is married to another famous poet, Robert Browning. Um, she has a poem in which she expresses her love of Robert Browning. She says, let me count the ways I love thee. Talking about deep sea mining, let me count the ways that I love deep sea mining. Compared to the alternative of mining on land, deep sea mining, it does not produce toxic wastes. For mining on land, some mining on land requires adding mercury, which is really bad for you, or adding cyanide, which is extremely bad for you, or when you take the stuff out, copper, when you take it out on land, some of the copper ends up in the streams, and that's bad for you. But deep sea nodule mining, you pick up the nodules, you don't add any toxins, you don't release stuff from the nodules. So. I love thee because no toxic waste, number one. Then Elizabeth would go on to say, I love thee, number two. The deep sea mining does not involve tailings, what's called tailings from the matrix. On land, when you remove stuff, there's also stuff that gets thrown away. That's called tailings. Lots of it gets thrown away. Routinely, it's put behind dams. And those dams, every now and then, have the bad habit of breaking killing 250 people in Brazil 
last year, but there are many other disasters from the breaking of tailings dams. So tailings come from the matrix. That's to say, on land, you extract the ores from a large body of dirt, and there's all the dirt to throw away. On the seabed floor, the nodules are sitting there. There isn't any matrix. I love the number three um, because on land, you have tailings not only from the matrix, but also from the ore itself. Once you've removed all the dirt on top of your, your copper load, it's not that you have a load of 100% copper nonsense. My understanding is that a really rich load on land, you might get 20% copper, maybe you get 20% iron, you'd be really excited if you get that, and then there's 80% to throw away. So there's the ore tailings. But on, in these nodules, the nodules are manganese and copper and nickel and cobalt. There are not ore tailings to throw away. I love the number three. I love the number four O mineral nodules because the habitat change is minimal on land. Whenever you mine on land, it's never the case that there are copper nodules sitting on the surface. So the, the copper nodules are down there. Maybe they're a long way down. And in order to get down there, you have to strip away the habitat on top. Whereas these lovable nodules, they're sitting on the ocean floor. So that's love the number four. Love the number five is that I too love your worms down on the ocean bottom. Um, but on land, um, I love my birds and I love my rats and I love my snakes and I love my frogs and I love my trees and I love my bushes. On land, there's f far more biodiversity uh, that gets damaged by the mining, whereas the seabed floor is a relatively depauperate de environment. Although it's depauperate, let's not bash those worms. Yes, I love the worms, um, but there aren't that many of them, and they're widely distributed, whereas on, on land, you get birds that are confined to areas of a a few square miles. So I love the number one, two, three, four, and five. I would add to that, Greg, that there are environmentalists who make um, the mistake of talking only about the drawbacks or the feared drawbacks of retrieving the nodules from the ocean floor. And they do not talk about the corresponding drawbacks of getting the same stuff on land. There ought to be a law passed, a federal law implemented by state laws saying it is forbidden to point out a disadvantage of mineral nodules taking them from the seafloor unless in the same sentence you go on to point out the corresponding disadvantage of getting stuff on land. And so for example, um, if we uh, talk about the disturbance to the habitat on the seabed floor because you suck up the nodules, and so dust flies up, um, sand flies up, and then it settles back down. You are not permitted to mention that unless you also talk about what happens when you extract stuff on land. One other thing that, that I would add is that with the nodules, we're beginning from zero. We don't have a history of extracting the nodules. The best nodules and the best places are still there. They have never been exploited. Whereas on land, we began exploiting copper 7,000 years ago. The first copper mining was about 5,000 BC. 
and we've been doing it now for 7,000 years. Naturally, the first copper mines were in the places with the most copper that was most accessible. And as time has gone on over these 7,000 years, we are no longer getting copper where it lies in rich loads next to the surface. We're having to dig further and we're getting poorer and poorer loads, um, which means that on land, when we extract metals on land, um, we're the late comers in 7,000 years of metal history, copper mines have been going for a long time, nickel mines have been going for a long time. We've already got the best copper, and we've already got the best nickel out of there. Um, and we are going to places where they're less rich and there's more mess that we make. Whereas on the ocean bottom, we're like 7,000 BC on the ocean bottom. The best sources are there, the best areas are there. And so, oh, mineral nodules on the seabed floor, those are the many ways that I love you, as many as are the ways in which Elizabeth Barrett Browning loved her husband, Robert Browning. I discuss this with people a lot, and I constantly run into the situation where someone will lodge, a, lodge opposition to this, will say this is not the thing to do, but they don't offer an alternative. The alternatives are either we stop using these metals, which means we don't have electric cars, we don't have cell phones, we don't have any number of, of items that have become essential in our day-to-day -day lives. What's going on? How do we get people to focus? I see it, Greg, as simpler than, than you see it. And you think of, you, of yourself being bold and no. I you are being very cautious, and the bold people are those who want to carry on with land mining. It amazes me um, to, to hear of an environmental group, whether Greenpeace or any others, um, calling for a moratorium on seabed mining, a moratorium on exploring seabed mining. How on earth can you suggest a moratorium on seabed mining without demanding a moratorium on the land mining that would, has been going on for 7,000 years? We know very well the destruction caused by land mining. We know that it's horribly destructive, one of the most destructive things on the planet. Um, boldness is to carry on with land mining. Caution is to explore and put into um, effect as quickly as possible mineral mining on the the um, seabed floor. An analogy, since you bring up the question of energy generation, um, I also hear environmentalists who complain about um, renewable forms of energy production. They point out the damage done by windmills. Bats and eagles every now and then fly into windmills. And I've heard estimates that 45,000 bats get killed each year in windmills in the United States. It amazes me that anybody says that without talking about the millions of birds and animals, not to mention the millions of people who die each year as a result of energy generation by, by fossil fuel. Or there are also people who complain about the drawbacks of solar energy generation in the desert, which interferes with the habitat for desert tortoises and some other creatures. How on earth can one talk about the damage done by solar energy generation to desert tortoises without mentioning in the same sentence the damage done to the majority of species on Earth, including millions of humans who die every year of respiratory problems produced by fossil fuels. This all goes back um, to, the, to the issue. Um, if you 
want to mention the drawbacks of X, you better mention the drawbacks of the alternatives. If your conclusion is that, that they've all got drawbacks and you don't want any minerals, minerals at all, then please tell me that you don't want minerals as you throw away your cell phone and as you throw away, you rip out all the copper wiring in your house and as you drive your electric car over the cliff. That's an alternative um, to seabed mineral mining. But you should, should not be permitted to decry the issues of seabed mining without decrying the issues that already exist, the damage that's already been done with mining on land. In short, I don't think you're being bold at all. It's the nuts who want to, want to carry on with land mining. They're the bold ones the bold ones and the foolish ones. A simple way to sum it up, Greg, would be whenever anyone starts talking about the putative disadvantages of seabed mining, say again and again and again, tell me the alternative, tell me the alternative, tell me the alternative, and shut up until you're ready to tell me the alternative, tell me the alternative. Why are you so bold? Why are you doing this? Why are you so, you're so convincing? I don't think of myself as being bold. I'm just saying, saying obvious things. The person who's being really bold is the person who stands up and says, let's continue getting, getting copper and getting gold out of the ground. Yeah, um, I, I met a very nice gold miner, a really nice person. We had a nice conversation, but the fact remains that he was, he's dumping mercury and cyanide into the environment. That's bold. I'm not bold at all. Well, thank you, Jared. You and I are in the business of trying to fix the world, is how I look at it. And I'm trying to work myself out of a job. Uh, maybe that'll happen one day. Keep doing the good work, Greg, and keep saying, tell me the alternative, tell me the tell alternative. Tell me the alternative. Okay, that's the key. Thank you, everyone, for another episode of the Sea Has Many Voices. Uh, please uh, join us again next week, although I, you're going to have a hard time finding an episode as genuine and as, as important as this one. So thank you, my dear friend, Dr. Jared Diamond.